0: Buckle up and settle in for a full hour of automotive mayhem with the real car guy, master technician, Mark Salem, where the only two things we can't fix is a broken heart and the crack of dawn. To talk to Mark, call 602-508-0960. That's 602-508-0960. Now, once again, here's Mark.
1: to my Chevrolet, I climbed down up inside the choke and I turned the key but the old girl wouldn't start She let out a whine so pitiful it nearly broke my heart Although I was a bit concerned I felt no need for panic I picked up my telephone I called up my mechanic Now he came over right away just like I knew he would I want to jump for joy every time that boy gets his hands under my hood I said Give me a man
2: Are we live? All righty. All righty. Well, we had some technical issues. Here's the shop. It's five minutes after 11. And uh, do we have any callers? Tony. Tony, good morning. How can we help you?
3: Hey there, Mark. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. Uh, I'm calling about my... uh, Uh... 97 Explorer I had a somewhat of an accident issue Uh, a woman rammed the front of my vehicle and pulled the bumper back out and up it's still there I mean it's not going to fall off or anything I'm just asking you know what am I going to have to do who do I need to go to to get the bumper Put back, I mean, the bumper's straight. It's just pulled up. You know, how can I get that fixed?
2: Well, whose fault is the accident?
3: Uh, It was hers. She took off. I never found her or got her license plate number.
2: Okay, okay. Are you going to report this to your own insurance company?
3: Well, it's just, I really don't want to spend money on the insurance. You know what I'm saying? I want to find out the cheapest way I can fix this thing. I mean, I know the bumper has different points, you know, that holds on there. And uh, I haven't, you know, I'm sick right now. I can't get under there and look at it, is the whole thing
2: i think what you should start to do i think what's beneficial for you is is to just educate yourself about what you're faced with and i would take it to two or three body shops and i would just have them write a ticket for the repair i think it's entirely possible that some of them are going to fix this while the other guys want to replace that and if the bumper covers damaged, so we're going to have to put a new bumper cover on it but the superstructure's still good so there's going to be all these different moving parts i think you'll be best educated if you turn around and if, if you just have two or three body shops bid the work, and then I think you'll, you'll have a much better handle on what to do. I don't think you're capable, and I'm certainly not capable, of telling you what needs to be done because you're going to have to take it apart to find out what's bent, what's broken, and what needs to be replaced. So the bumper is hung onto the frame with two bumper shocks and if those are damaged, then we start there. If the superstructure, which is the metal part underneath all the plastic, if it's damaged, it needs to be replaced. But some of that stuff can be done in a used arena. You can go to a wrecking yard and find a car like yours, and it might be three years older or newer, and you can buy the entire front front bumper. You can buy the, two, the shocks and the superstructure and then the cover, and then somebody just has to paint it. So I think you have a lot of... Available to you, you just have to go out and talk to two or three body shops and have them bid the work.
3: Uh, also, the I'm going to have to replace the grill on okay. the front.
2: It's the same 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 thing. It's it's all going to be, it's all. And then you're going to have the option probably at a lot of parts at, at body shops of used parts versus new parts. And and what they're going to really hope for is they're going to find a car that was hit in the, in the back that has a good front end on it and so then your body shop's going to buy everything on the front and just put it on yours and paint the bumper so okay. i can't really well, thank you I can't, thank you sir okay well good luck to you tony good luck to you anyway 602 508 if you have a car question or a car problem you're welcome to give us a call it's uh it's you'll oftentimes find in the auto repair industry that there's going to be some widely varying opinions about things like which oil brand to put in and whether you deviate from this what your owner's manual says and all that kind of stuff and our industry is permeated with with people who have different ideas and i'm one of them um the the idea is is what's really best for you and a lot of times that discussion involves a direction of you you wanting to go that really doesn't that we 've seen, perhaps, and we don 't think you should go there because most people that go that that direction don 't win, and they don 't end up where they want to be, so with respect to like Tony, um, I think he 's got a good chance of being able to find some parts off of a wrecked car that wasn 't hit in the front and have those reinstalled on his and again, all he has to do is paint the bumper six zero two five oh eight zero nine sixty six zero two five oh eight zero nine sixty the uh We've off the off off the uh, cuff behind the scenes where Alan and Andy and I are talking about this and the, and the oil came up again, and w- we all agree that you should use the viscosity that the engine manufacturer says, mm-hmm. but then we also have at at that point we also have at that point we've got the old guys that say, "When I start drinking oil, why can't I go to a thirty weight?" So then what do you say? When my motor gets old and tired, and and I, and I'm I'm leaking oil, and I don't want to put a ten dollar a quart synthetic in my truck, I want to put a, a thirty weight in my truck or, or my car, or whatever. Then what do you say?
4: I don't I don't know for the newer stuff how how it would affect it. Yeah,
2: I, I think as the as the motor wears older and older, and you've got cars out there with a hundred and two hundred and three hundred thousand miles, I, it's my opinion that the motors as it gets older, it gets looser, and the idea of having a 0.20 in there is not nearly as attractive, especially if you've got oil leaks or it's consuming oil, to To go to something with a higher viscosity, something that, that will help control the oil consumption or the oil leaking by going to a 30 weight, a 10.30, a 10.40, whatever. So those are the kinds of things that we have. 602 508 602 I'll tell you about a couple of shops in town. We've talked about a couple of already. Larry Harker's Auto is at 38th Avenue and in Indian School. He's a good shop, been around a long time. Bob and Ellen run it, and Bob runs the shop and Ellen runs the front counter. They've been married a very long time, but more important, they've been in the auto repair industry since 1967. So Bob and his staff are well versed on the older cars as well as the newer cars and it's a shop that I send people to oftentimes in that geographical area just because it's it's really, really a good shop, and um, and they do a good job. And I've, I've got plenty of stories about them being the heroes. Somebody came in and was told that they needed something very expensive, and Bob says, no, that's not it. And, and then actually the bill was one-tenth of what the estimate was on the first time, and the customer pronounced the car fixed. That happens a lot. When it gets to diesels, we've got diesels strictly diesel, and he's up on um, I 17 and Pinnacle Peak Road. Nate's a good guy. He knows diesels. He, he works on the Dodge, the Chevy, and the Ford. So he's well versed in diesels. He also has a website with parts on the website. So if you want to add some parts to enhance the power or the performance, or you want to change the air cleaners, you want to change the air filters, you want to do any kind of stuff exhaust, you can talk to Nate, and he'll actually call you back. So if you call the shop and you say, I have a question about my 6-liter, my 6-4, my 6-7, or whatever, Nate will call you back. So he handles that north area just fine, I-17 and Pinnacle Peak, and that's at Nate at Strictly Diesel Service and Repair. And I've known Nate a, a long time, and we got a caller. Who might that be?
4: Say good morning to David.
2: David, good morning.
1: Uh, good morning, Mark. I have a 2012 Prius with about 130,000 miles on it. The manual had said that the transmission fluid, CVT style, I believe, uh, is lifetime. Uh, I went ahead and changed it out, and I put a uh, Castrol Transmax CVT in it. Though things I'm reading are saying, well, you should only use the Toyota WS. Uh, should Should I drop it and put the Toyota fluid in, or am I okay?
2: Well, Toyota probably doesn't make their own fluid anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I think
1: it's a place called Idemitsu who makes the transmissions. They
5: they have formulated the fluid,
2: but they're not making the fluid. You you see, there's nobody out there that's going to open up an oil refinery to make a fluid for one transmission. What they're going to do is is they're going to find out all the different fluids, and they're going to somebody's going to make it. Um, it this is a problem that we have in my and this happens in my world every minute of every day. Um, and, and it's when you get on the internet and you get 20 people talking about something and they all swear that they know and t- talk to the Lord about it and, and have seen it written and in, in writing and stuff. And that just drives me crazy. There's only four companies in the world that make spark plugs, yet everybody says Champion is better than Autolite. You know what I mean? There's four companies. Ninety percent of the front-wheel drive axles are made in China, and they're put in boxes with more than 300 labels. I'm talking to guys that go buy, and they take an axle to China, find this guy who's making axles, and have him bid them, and we want you to make 800 of these for us. And we're going to put them in a Salem box as opposed to a Jones box. So I'm not a real fan of the discussion about this is better than that. If the performance of your car is acceptable to you, then I can't imagine why you wouldn't just continue on. I can't imagine why you'd drain the oil out and start over because you got a 50-50 chance of taking a step backwards by doing that. But if you're happy with the shifting and the power and the performance of your Prius, just leave it alone. And it's got a CVT transmission, and and the fluid is identified as a CVT transmission fluid, yes? Correct. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I don't... I think you're scared because of what you read on the Internet, but I want to tell you something. I, I, I spend a lot of my time on the Internet, and I just hate that time in my life because I've got people out there that are t- saying things that just aren't true and have never been true, never been true.
4: I think you're just going to well, find let, you- let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. So the idea, though, that they are Toyota
1: and some other brands are telling you that it's lifetime, what do you think of that concept?
2: Well, I'm concerned about the Lifetime because Lifetime is a big, broad set of hands that are spread real wide, and and, and I'm quite sure that Alan drives his Dodge truck and Mark drives his Dodge truck in a 1 to 10 scale. Our trucks are in the 8 to 9 range of being abused, okay? We work them hard. We haul big trailers. We haul big loads. We do lots of stuff with our trucks, and then we've got Grandpa Moses, who has the same truck and he only puts six thousand miles a year and the heaviest thing he's had in the bed is a uh, is a gallon can of uh, gas for his lawnmower
6: I'll tell you too with CVt we've seen so many issues and so many problems there's no repair in those the lifetime on a, on a CVT is probably only one hundred and fifty thousand miles I mean we're seeing them way less than that um, but yeah, I don't. Uh, I I I'm not. A, I'm not a training guy, so we don't. I don't. I don't know a lot about the whole lifetime stuff, but that. Uh... I
4: I think too, if it says it's compatible and it's a CVT transmission fluid, you're fine. I think on the internet, you're going to find things both ways. I mean, you can find, you know, somebody that says it's right, somebody that says it's wrong. So you know, all of that. So it's.
2: There's only four companies that pull oil out of the ground: <laughs> Mobile, Shell, um, Chevron, Exxon. Uh, Exxon, I think, is one. Anyway, I, I I'm in the wrong studio because in the other studio I have that a piece of paper sitting on my thing. But there's only four four basic companies that make oil, and and if you walk into an AutoZone or an O'Reilly's, they they, they could have five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten different brands of oil, and and unfortunately, um, it they're, they're pretty much all the same. So you can shop price, you can do whatever you want, but I just think. You should, If you're in a good place right now, then I don't think you should change it, and I don't think you should believe those four people on the Internet that are telling you of whatever. Uh, it, this is just something that's in, it's permeated our industry in the worst way. We, we have all these people on the Internet that want to chime in, and then when you question them in a nice way, they can't answer, how do you get this ex- experience? What do you do for a living? Well, I drive a cab, and I don't mean to demean cab drivers. I drive a cab, or I'm a brain surgeon. I don't care what your answer is. Is Do you have 40 years of experience in, in working on cars? Let me ask you two questions. When was the last time that we had a transmission come in, and we diagnosed the transmission being defective because it had the wrong fluid in it? No. Have you ever seen it? No. no. Ever? No. Okay. When was the last time you had a motor that came in and the motor was trashed? The motor had blown up. The motor had given up the ghost. The motor was no longer useful, and if and anybody could tie it to the kind of oil that was used in the car. Yeah, never. Okay. Of all the motors that we replaced, why do we replace the motors? What's the common denominator for a motor we we fix?
4: Overheat. Lack of lubrication.
2: Yeah. So lack low on, on oil, oil. Yeah. Or on overheat. Yeah. So is is 99% of the motors that we replace fall into one of those two categories? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When was the last time either one of us, and, and we process, I don't know how many cars a day. Do you have any idea?
4: Probably 25, 30, something like that. 25,
2: 30 cars a day. We have 20 bays. Uh, where we're at is not important. The idea is is we see lots of cars. We have all of this stuff going on. Even with nitrogen in the tires, that's just ballooned into something really big now Mm -hmm. where people are saying nitrogen is bad for your tires. Well, there's a tremendous amount of nitrogen in the palm of your hand right now. Mm -hmm. So how can nitrogen be bad for your tires? So we have all of these moving parts, and it's just a difficult thing. Virtually every motor we replace has been damaged by the person driving it. They ran it low on oil, or they overheated the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. That's all there is to it. Every once in a while, we run across one that just aged out, that's blowing blue smoke, going down the road like a fogger, a mosquito fogger, and it's time to replace the motor.
4: Yeah, and those come with symptoms, people. it's. I mean, it's not like just one day it's running and one day it's not. Most of the time, people have
2: Okay, all righty, and, w- w- and the the lines are wide open six zero two five zero eight zero nine sixty, and we'll be back right after this.
0: I'm a veteran. My victory was admitting I had PTSD and getting help. As America's veterans face challenges, DAV is there. I no longer see it as a weakness, but as a sign of strength. I call it post-traumatic growth. DAV provides a lifetime of support, helping veterans of every generation get the benefits they've earned.
3: I am a veteran. I lost both legs in Vietnam.
0: Every year, DAV helps more than a million veterans so they can reach victories great and small.
3: My victory was getting my benefits and a good education. I'm a veteran. When I got out,
0: I felt like nowhere was safe. My victory was finding the help I needed. But there's more to be done and more victories to be won. Thanks to DAV, now I feel like I'm human again. Help support more victories for veterans.
2: Go to DAV.org. Welcome back, everybody. 23 minutes after the hour 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem. Sitting here next to me is Andy, my daughter, and Alan, my son, and all three of us work at the same repair shop in Tempe. And we've been talking on radio since 1988 about car and car repair issues, and if you'd like to join us, you can. We're going to go to Mike and Wayne first but, when we, but first, let me just tell you about another shop here in town that's a that's a, a rock star, and that's Action Auto Repair up at I-17 in Deer Valley. I've known Tom since he opened in 1983. He knows the difference between right and wrong. He has really good technicians. Um, he, he, he like the rest of us, um, are really interested in the ASC certifications to tell you what kind of technician you have, and a master technician has passed all eight automotive tests, and he has more than a few of those, so if you live anywhere near I-17 and Deer Valley, then Action Auto Repair is a good place that you might want to have an oil change done and see what it's like. Let's go to Mike. Mike, good morning. How can we help you?
8: Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call, Mike. Um, So I'm looking for a vehicle for my wife. Um, She's driving currently a 2004 Toyota Camry, but it's really too low. When she drives in my vehicle, which is a 2005 Nissan Frontier pickup, it's definitely higher. Gas mileage is not important. Anywhere, I'll probably buy one either brand new or something with 30,000 miles or so. Um, my wife is about 5 foot tall, so it, she wants that visibility. Um, something in an SUV with a truck chassis for safety. And, of course, we'll get lots of airbags. Do you have any recommendations?
2: No. I mean, there's how many makes and models do we have in our database right now? 600? 600? Yeah, oh, um, more
4: than that. But um, I, I think, mean, Toyota and Hondas are good. Yeah, product lines. But
2: yeah, and, and I I think here's, I think what needs to happen is is you need to narrow it down for us. You need to give us three choices or four choices. And I'll give and, you. Yeah, go ahead. And, and,
4: and, go, is there ones you're looking at, or would she like?
8: Well, I was thinking we used to own a Grand Cherokee, and okay. my wife loved it. Uh, Nissan Pathfinder. Um, those are two that I can think of.
4: I would pick the Pathfinder over the. And
2: and, and what's the Toyota comparable to the Pathfinder and the Forerunner? Forerunner. Yeah. Forerunner. Um, that would yeah.
6: be my top choice. Uh, yeah.
2: And and I I think I think we 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 would I think I agreed with the the Toyota the Forerunner uh, a one owner used Toyota are you are you buying a new one or a used one.
8: I, either way, it doesn't matter. Okay. I'm just well, trying to get the best value.
4: I mean, you're uh, – and I don't know how long, if you keep them for a long time, but resale value, the forerunners are great. It'll I mean, probably
8: like, be our last car for her.
4: Okay
2: okay yeah, i think she needs to go drive the grand cherokee the nissan pathfinder the the and then he, go in and look at the explorer on the on the on the ford side um because uh-huh. what what are you driving Andy? yeah i have an explorer and mom has an explorer uh-huh. so we even though i'm not a ford guy my daughter and my wife both have explorers which which compete nicely with the forerunner and the uh and uh-huh. the uh, pathfinder yeah and uh-huh. so our family has two two and the the two women um, again. I,
4: lo- I love my Explorer. I, I really like it. The space and everything like that is is really good. Now, the, the
8: Pathfinder View. versus the Grand Cherokee. Why would you pick that over that?
4: I and don't like personally. I don't like the Jeep product as much in, in in Cherokees and stuff. But that's just more of a personal thing. than... you mean based think, on
8: reliability?
2: Re- well, the reliability has to do with the person with their foot on the gas so and and, uh-huh. and 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 who does all that kind of stuff um i i think from a family point of view and, and and i've never really been a ford guy so the fact that my daughter's driving a ford and my wife's driving a ford is is rule i mean that's good enough to divorce you know her for driving a ford but the the idea is is that we seem to find that the ford in, in the classification you're talking about the ford and the toyota would be the the number 1 and number 2 of the suv line that we're talking about
8: Oh, okay.
2: and, and so I think, we'll have to um,
8: take a test drive. Agree. Both, yeah. both of those And agree. I
2: think your wife's going to like one of them more than the other because one of them has better visibility. One of them, the seats fit her, fit her better. She likes the interior. She likes the amenities, all that kind of yeah. stuff. And that's what we need is your wife involved in that kind the, of stuff. The
4: RAV4, too, is a smaller version of, like, a 4Runner, I would say. CRV. But honey, it doesn't CRV? have a truck chassis,
8: the RAV4. Mm-hmm.
2: No, you yeah. want a full chassis. Yeah. When you're talking about that, you're talking That's about correct. a full chassis. I don't want a
8: unibody. Right.
2: Okay. And why not? Okay. Why not, though?
8: I'm worried for crash reliability.
2: Okay. Well, I want Fancy. you to know that none of us, I mean, it. there is a perception that you're safer, but you, you know in a unibody car, it's designed to crush around you like a big trash can and And really, and truly, there is no science that says that a full framed now, if you take my one ton truck that 's got a full frame and you hit a hit something stupid <clears throat> head on obviously i win but the but uh-huh. there is no science that says that the unibody more people die in the unibody or more people have crashes in the unibody or whatever than the full frame vehicles the full frame vehicles the downside to that is is they ride like lumber trucks compared to some okay. of the some of the ones that that uh, that don't have full frames. So the okay, uh, yeah, there is it. There is there's normally going to be some discernible ride difference. Okay,
8: I did not know that. I'm glad I called.
2: Yeah. No, kid, that's why it's called a truck frame. I thought full <laughs>
8: chassis were better. So good.
2: They're 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 perceived as being better and stronger. But not, I mean, I love my wife and I love my daughter, and neither one of them has a full frame. So, um, okay. I, I, I'm okay. But anyway, thank you very much. And Wayne, if you if you'd stay right there for me, please, um, I'll take you. I got to take a break in about 45 seconds. We have open lines available. Wayne's first, but that's 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. Sitting here with me is Andy and Alan, my daughter and my son. And like I said, we've been in the business for a very very long time. We service lots of cars and um and you you oftentimes it's a good idea to ask the guy who's going to be working on your car what him or his wife drives because typically they're going to pick a vehicle that that stands up well to miles that doesn't need a lot of maintenance and doesn't have any a huge amount of pattern failures So we have cars out there that have head gasket problems, and they happen all the time to this particular car, this particular engine. Those are the kinds of things that you want to avoid. But a a, a seasoned repair shop can help you with that, 602-508-0960.
0: Take the Patriot with you wherever you go. The 960, the Patriot mobile app, your Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, and odyssey.com. It's your voice of reason 24-7.
7: What is really going on in the real estate market? This is a question we get almost every day. This is Phil and Josh, hosts of Arizona Real Estate Matters, which airs every Sunday from 2 to 3, right here on 960, The Patriot.
5: This isn't some one hour real estate infomercial. Arizona Real Estate Matters covers what is happening today in our real estate market. We discuss the current and ever-changing real estate facts and statistics that affect the largest purchase that you'll probably ever make.
7: So for the most up-to-date real estate information affecting the real estate market today, tune in to Arizona Real Estate Matters every Sunday from 2 to 3, right here on 960 the patriot
8: dad
9: come on over here look at this dad over
1: whoa
0: the moment my son saw a redwood tree
1: it's huge
0: is the moment I knew that for him
1: you can't even see the top of that thing
0: even the sky has no limit
7: There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, biking, fishing, or camping. Or do your own thing when you get there with family and friends. Your moment is out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org.
0: Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch. It's Meals on
7: Wheels. One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
2: Hey, is that a faucet running?
1: Nope, that's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. It is? Yeah, forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. The water comes straight from the forest to us, in fact. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. How do trees clean the air? They soak up the dirty air on their leaves, branches, and trunks, which means clean air for us. Hmm, cool. I didn't know that. Yep, but the forest does more than give us clean air and water. It gives us shade for hot days, birds to listen to, and trees to climb. Wow, that's
6: awesome. I didn't know how cool the forest could be. Hey, let's go explore some more.
10: Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, Go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.
4: My early Alzheimer's diagnosis was hard to take.
7: But it gave my mom and me more time to plan, together. Talk to your family about seeing a doctor. Go to alz.org slash time to talk. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council.
3: All about that demon, the the monster with the wheels. Well,
2: welcome back, everybody. Thirty-four minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock. 11 o'clock. Never mind. I'm looking at the wrong clock. And just like we promised, we're going to go straight to Wayne. Wayne, thank you for holding. How can I help you?
1: Well, if you have time, I have two questions. But the first one, I think, is a tire problem. A uh, 2011 Dodge Grand Caravan. I had uh, a damaged tire screw in it. They said it wasn't repairable. So I replaced the two back wheels at about uh, 4.30 seconds. With two new BF Goodrich uh, tires. And then I took it to uh, uh, Bullhead City, going up 93, and I'm feeling this faint but discernible. Uh, you know how it feels when you've got a trailer and it's fishtailing? <laughs> That's what it feels the seat uh, slight, but you know, this isn't right. And then I'm driving a little bit more. I'm back here in Phoenix. And if you go from the diamond lane on the 10, uh, which is a left hand curve onto the eastbound 60 at 60 miles an hour, all of a sudden the analog brakes are coming on and it's, you know, gonna cut you back 15 miles an hour. And if you go east on the 60 to the, uh, transition to the 101 south, which is a right hand curve, 60, 65 miles an hour, the analog brakes comes on, and it's uh, going to slow you down 15 miles an hour. Now, see, this is not right. Is this a tire problem? That's the only thing that's changed. Um, what's going on?
2: I didn't know that analog brakes can apply themselves.
1: Well, uh, I'm on the gas pedal, or at least I don't have my foot on the brake. And the analog brakes are coming on because it perceives, I guess, that one wheel isn't uh, is slipping or isn't gripping properly.
2: I don't know that we have anything on the car that that, that monitors whether the tires grip in the roadway. I mean, help me out well, here. Well, however, uh, Andy,
4: however the
1: computer reading the sensors, uh, it's indicating something's not right,
4: but it'll can... slow the car down 15 miles an hour the only thing i can think of is if it's all wheel drive and you replace two of the tires not, and not four
1: yeah it's only two wheel drive on this van
4: well
2: there there we may be monitoring the spin ratio of the the speed of each one of the tires and yes. and what happens is is that if you apply the brakes and the brakes lock up the right rear tire, the computer sees that the tire is no longer rotating or rotating in a, in a in a different way than the other three, and it will dump the pressure to that and then allow that tire to start spinning again. That's how automatic brakes, uh, ABS brakes work. And so right. the computer's job is is to dump the pressure if the tire locks up. So when you say that you're driving, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I, I don't understand... The relationship here, stability control. Um, I, this wouldn't be a stability control issue. This isn't. This isn't where, where the, the computer thinks that. I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. It,
1: it's only happened to me three or four times total. Uh, happened once on 93, I know of, and then the other two I mentioned, and then I'm questioning, uh, I'm thinking it's only the rear wheel brakes that are being applied by the computer, it, it, and it happens, you know, in a matter of a few seconds,
2: and well, so I haven't been in. analog like brakes, when you, the, the first thing that happens with analog brakes is is, is you apply the brakes and, and a wheel locks up, and then the computer dumps the pressure to that wheel, gets it rotating again, and then reapplies pressure. So what has to happen at the very beginning is brake application. You're telling us you're driving down the freeway, and then all of a sudden, you, you, the the car somehow or another, the car begins to slow itself down, and and I I'm I don't I don't understand that. I, I've been wrong before, but I, I don't understand that. That's never been a situation that I, I've 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 ever seen. I, well,
1: I mean, and I've never seen it either. I can tell you that I did not have my foot on the brake pedal.
2: Okay. Okay.
6: What,
4: uh, I, I missed the first part. What was the year and make of the but, vehicle?
1: And I
6: lock
2: Energized. 11 Dodge Caravan.
4: Oh, yeah. And he replaced two tires because one wasn't repairable. He replaced two rear tires, right. and now he has this this problem. And, so he's and, not sure if it's related to the tires or not.
2: And the Caravan's a front-wheel drive, and the back tires don't have any drive axle to it. So the the back tires, all we're going to do is monitor the speed, and it's going to be ABS monitored. And so we don't have any traction issues. We don't have any of that. And so, is there
6: you, any lights on the dash at all whatsoever? When this the, happens, the
1: uh, yellow analog lock brake light comes on when that mm-hmm. occurs.
6: I wonder if he's got like an intermittent. Um, I don't know why it would apply the brake. So it's intermittent if the signal for the AB, for the wheel speed sensor is dropping out, and it's seeing. You know, it may be where it's monitored only. It, it it it's monitored as an assembly, not not each individual wheel. Where it's well, no, because it, no, it wouldn't be. It,
2: it, it it's going it, it, what you're talking about is channels, four channel, two channel, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. So what what we're we're thinking out loud here is is that we, usually there's one channel that monitors the front brakes and then one does the back brakes. The yellow A, ABS light just means that I've lost sight of one of the the wheels. That's all it means. The yellow the, it's it says it's not red. It's yellow. It's just caution. I'm gonna stop letting you use ABS. You're going to have conventional braking. You're not going to have anti-lock brakes anymore because the lights on. The lights yellow it doesn't mean stop. And but the, what what puzzles us is the fact that you're losing speed during this period, and you don't have your foot on the brake. And 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 it's it's your perception that the the vehicle's slowing the speed down because the computer's doing it. And and that's the that's the struggle that I'm having. I, I don't,
4: wonder if there's any codes or anything stored.
2: Well, that's certainly a place yeah. to go. I think, I think you just need to take it to a shop and, and describe to them what you have, and maybe even in writing so that you can tell the story completely. And, and, then, and most of us are going to go into the computer and say, hey, what's going on? And hopefully there will be some historical data in there that we can gather up. But the real problem in in, 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 the thing that I I don't understand and you're telling me something I've heard for the first time in my whole life is is that you have an ABS light come on and then all of a sudden, for some reason or another, with no input from you, all of a sudden there's something slowing the car down dramatically. Um, Now, the only thing I can think of is what happens if the ABS sensor was monitoring the right rear wheel and the wheel bearing was going bad and the wheel bearing caused the tire to shake? the abs would turn the light on because it lost the signal and at the same time that bra- that wheel bearing is disintegrating and bragging the vehicle to a stop
6: it, it's going to be something like that yeah the problem is is that uh, this has happened four times over a period of how long i mean you would think that that would be something that would get progressively worse, one week but,
2: yeah uh, the, one i had
1: of- the uh, tires changed last weekend
2: yeah, um, you know, if, if if you take it into a shop, hopefully they're going to put it up on the rack, and they're going to spin all four tires, and they're going to w- wiggle top to bottom, 12 o'clock, 6 o'clock, to check the wheel bearings. They're going to look for, for any kind of heat damage caused by a wheel bearing that's going bad. But I I just, that's all I can offer you. I, I'm sorry, that's Eddie all I
6: just, can offer you. Eddie just texted me. He said that the circumference of the tires may be different. Mm-hmm. Um are we absolutely, positively certain that both of those are the are the the same size? Have you looked with your own two eyes? The front and the uh, back. Well, yeah. No, the, no. I'm the talking the about just the, the
1: sidewalls. Show they're the same size.
6: It, it, the back ones are. They say that they're the same size. Yes. Okay. Because yes. we've seen we've seen a couple times where people come in a two hundred five seventy five and a two hundred five seventy and and they just you know peel, put, picked it off the shelf wrong and. Um, yeah i it's going to be something I, I think it's going to, if it just started I, I would say it's going to be something with, with those tires whether it be an AB, they nicked an ABS line yeah. or hit an aBS line or have for whatever reason have different circumferences or whatever but uh
4: I would take it back to, I would take it to a shop not not back to the tire not, shop not back to the tire shop yeah
2: all right well, good luck to me Wayne I'm sorry that's the best we can do we're going to take a break and when we come back William, you stay right there because we'll get to you right as quickly as we can for me it was real simple as a young lieutenant. Back in 1985, I was on a deployment with my unit to West Berlin. And we went through Checkpoint Charlie. When I came out on the other side to East Berlin, I was like, oh, hell no. I don't want to live like that.
9: From executive producer Larry Elder When
2: people have the scales taken
9: off their eyes, then they can see clearly. And director, Justin Malone. Today, if you ask the average person, do you know what socialism is? Do you know what communism is?
5: They do not know.
9: Comes the continuation of their 2020 hit film, Uncle Tom.
2: Our enemies are our children and our grandchildren because they believe in that deceptive lie. Uncle Tom, part two, an
9: American odyssey available on Salem now.
0: Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right. A group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, tail-wagging, backyard-hanging, and, of course, companionship. And what breed would you say Satchmo is? I'd have to go with maybe a lavish, terrier-hound, chihuahua-looking kind of mix. Tremendous dog. Mm -hmm. I'd also like to point out Satchmo's coloring. A white, gray, brown, black brindle. Simply marvelous. You know, it's such a treat to watch a dog like this. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. How intuitive. And now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, oh, the happy dance, so common with this group. And finally, the loving face lick. It's great how he just gets in there and, well, licks. Fantastic. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Sachma is to meet one. Visit the shelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council.
2: 59, got to write down the numbers. Welcome back, everybody. 45 minutes after the hour 11 o'clock, we're going to go to the phones, just like we promised, and we're going to go with William. Thank you for holding through the break. How can I help you?
5: Good morning, guys. Good morning. Always love hearing your show. Thank um, you. i got a question that's, that deals with, um, is it better to try to restore a classic car or... Rebuild it using more modern tools. Let me give you the story. Um, My stepfather just gifted me a a 1955 work truck, a Chevy, um, a 1959 Chevy Apache work truck, and a chassis, a full chassis with all of the panels, all of the trim, and everything else of a 1957 Chevy Bel Air. It doesn't have the original engine, but it has everything else. Original. These were uh, the, the 57 was supposed to be his project car, and it sat in his barn for the last 30 years because he's never had the time to do it. And so, the question that I have: uh, Bel Air is my wife's favorite car, and I would love very much to be able to gift her a Chevy Bel Air. But the question I would be asking more so for it is: it's not all original. Would it be better? I, know, I, already, I think I know the answer. It would, be, it would probably be safer to have a modern suspension, a modern braking system and everything else. But what is your take on that idea between trying to restore it fully versus rebuild it? And do you know any shops in town that would do that?
2: If, if you take that and put it back to stock, y- your bill's gonna be forty50 and I'm, I've not seen the car, so I'm just guessing here, 40, 50, 60,000 bucks. If you're gonna modernize the car, Change the suspension and put a fuel-injected engine in it with a five-speed transmission behind it, and new air conditioning and all that stuff. You'll you'll spend every bit of twice that much money. So it really depends on what you have right now and which which is it better suited to to do. Um, these cars go in, huh? And what's your wait, budget? wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. And, oh, and what your budget? And, and what your budget is? Yeah. Yeah. It. We see these kinds of cars come in. And what we say to people is, let's just get it to start, run, and stop. That's what we want to do first. Start, run, and cool. stop. And then get some plates on it, and you drive it, and then you can make up your mind what you want to do. But start, run, and stop. And we've we've seen them. We've done cars. And so has Blackwell. Blackwell up north, he's done the same thing. Uh, we've had cars in that haven't. Well, Wayne's truck, his 55 Chevy pickup truck, it hadn't run for 10 years. And I'm driving that on a regular basis now. So, And it's a 55 Chevy pickup truck with a six-cylinder, and I just put a carburetor on it the other day. So right. it it really just depends. You're going to spend a lot of money modernizing that thing with fuel injection and ABS and, and a transmission and, and air conditioning and, and all that kind of stuff and everything underneath the hood. You'd be better off... To sell those nice vehicles you've got, and to buy a seventy or eighty thousand dollar <laughs> Bel Air, that's what you'd be better off. I
6: and I tell my customers like like he said, you know, start run stop, and then I tell them put a put a notepad on this on the seat with a pen, and as you're driving these things on Sunday, I got a rattle in the dash, oh the uh, you know the the glove box falls open, and 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 figure it out and see how lo- see how often you're driving it. I mean, you'd hate to put you know a hundred grand in a, a car that that you find that you, you don't have the time to drive or your wife doesn't enjoy driving or or something like that but i'd definitely get it up and running start run stop and then work forward from there to see if you want to put a dump a bunch more money into it and, and these
2: Okay, the, i really appreciate it. Yeah, that that the, the three that you talked about the 55 pickup the 59 apache and the 57 Bel Air. um the, the, those all probably have v8s in them they have points and condenser ignition they have a quadrajet carburetor on them. all that stuff well, the, is the really one with the,
5: with the you mentioned that 55 that you have that 59 actually was mine and i gave it to my stepdad it's got the straight six oil bath yeah. uh carburetor on it and yeah. so um, yeah. yeah that's why i'm, I'm just wondering is, is it is it worth the cost even on the cheap to try to modernize it enough to make it a little bit safer on the road versus just trying to do the let me buy all the old parts and restore it
2: okay uh, on your fifty Chevy, if your 59 Apaches, like my 55 Chevy pickup truck, the top speed of that thing with 456 gears <laughs> in it is about 55 yeah. miles an hour wide open throttle. Okay?
5: Yes, and it's screaming down the freeway. And it's do screaming
2: that. down the freeway, yeah. And so I'm not going to change the rear end because all I want is is a car for me and my wife to go five miles to the steakhouse. You know, and we have to right. be on the freeway for a little bit of that. The windows roll up good. I just had the seats reupholstered. Um, I had it painted. Um, we put the, I mean, everything, but I had to put a carburetor on it. But at this particular point, I have no intention of putting a V8 in there and where it burns the tires with a 456 gear because I got to get rid of that first. so um you 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 i just take one of them and if you i i do i'd go after the bel air first get it up and running as it
4: is now and then kind of fine-tune what you want to change about it
2: yep yeah just let's just see how well it does on its own right now before you start modernizing it
5: all right well well, i'm in peoria so do you guys recommend
4: anybody out here
2: well, you're going to wait forever for Tom Blackwell, but he's one of the guys that does this. But last time I talked to him, he said he was like two years behind.
4: You need to find somebody that, yeah, is really good with the old, yeah, the old. Car. Right. Cur- but, okay. Our your time, guys. Have a great day. Wait, 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 yeah. wait.
2: Kurtz is a good yep. guy. You're right. He
4: could probably do you know. Get him on the road. Stuff, things like that. Yeah. yeah.
2: Kurtz can get him to start, run, and stop. That's no problem. Blackwell okay. takes that car and puts in the big V8s and the 8-speed transmissions and the air conditioning and stuff. There's a big difference between the two guys. But Kurtz could pull this off. So could Action Auto. There's a lot of guys on my website, MarkSalem.com, that can take these old cars and get them to start, run, and stop. And that's really what you're looking at. Okay, I appreciate thank- it, Mark. Thank you. Uh, Terry, you're up next. How can I help you?
9: Hi there, Mark. I want to talk about four-wheel drive systems. So I got a 2003 Ford Expedition. Believe it or not, the stupid thing, uh, the actuators are not engaged when you have vacuum on, which means when vacuum fails or begins to fail, it fails into four-wheel drive or partial four-wheel drive. So that aside, uh, that just seems incredible to me that something fails like that, designed that way. I'm going to have to buy a new SUV sometime in the near future, and I just wanted to know who has a, a really good, Um, four-wheel drive system or who has the best at anybody and question number two is can you still get manual locking hubs
6: manual locking hubs uh
2: i mean why would you want them um because
9: they're reliable uh they don't fell the way my automatic locking hubs have i got an 85 chevy pickups and never fell on the hubs at all because you know i get out and i turn them that's why i want them
2: what what is automatic locking hubs? You see, when you're in we're in, we're in four wheel or two wheel drive, we're not even spinning the front drive shaft. Or I mean, we're not powering the front drive shaft. So what what happens is is when you have no hubs on the front, we start spinning the front drive shaft, which spins the differential, which it's attached to the tires. Um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not quite sure about automatic front locking hubs. I'm not sure what those are.
6: Or manual? You want no, manual yeah. locking hubs? Yes, I want manual yeah. locking hubs. I don't know any trucks that have manual locking hubs anymore.
2: No, they don't. Um, I don't know any. Either.
6: I don't know any. I know that you can. Uh, I know that they can be. They can be swapped out. Uh, I know, like the late model Dodges, they they make a uh, they make a hub kit, a free a freewheel hub kit with a with a thing. But they're they're big money. I want to say it's thirty five hundred bucks, but. um I don't know. I don't, enough, I don't see enough problems with four-wheel drives because most people who have four-wheel drives don't use four-wheel drive for what they're intended for. So I don't see a ton of four-wheel drive failures or problems or issues like that. So I don't, I don't really know the answer to that question.
2: In, in the truck that you have right now, it, it's got two high and two low or, and four high and four low or, and neutral. Is something like that?
9: Uh, the 2003 Expedition has two high and uh, two low and, of course, four high. Okay. So, it's got, got automatic hubs. I stick it in too high, and the hubs engage based on vacuum. Vacuum controls the actuators on the hubs. And it fails into four wheel drive, which I think is really stupid. It should fail into two wheel drive.
5: Mm-hmm. Um,
9: so, I'm just the, the other part of my question was do you know who's the best four wheel drive, the more bulletproof four wheel drive system available right now? In an okay, SUV? let me
2: change your question. But I,
9: I do use it.
2: Okay, let me change your question. Tell me the biggest piece of crap out there in four-wheel drive, and the answer is is we don't know. I mean, it's Dana stuff. So there's Dana stuff on Fords and Chevys and Chryslers, and there's, there's the, 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 the running gear, the differentials and the transfer cases and stuff like that. You, you can just take your pick from a, a mainstream truck out there, and it's all good. We're not seeing problems with those.
6: Uh, the only thing I can tell you is maybe stay away from the GM because it's an IFS, independent front suspension. So you've got the CV axles, which is a weak link, whereas, you know, the Ford and the Dodge have the straight axle. Uh, that's about all I can tell you. But I don't see a lot of four-wheel drive issues, period, unless it's, a you know, the, the 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 transfer case engager mechanism, stuff like that. Or It won't come out or won't go into four-wheel drive. But other than that, I don't really see it.
2: And, and, and there's a lot of ride. There's guys who are going to say, well, with the independent front and Alan's right, we do lots of work on the front end because of the axles and the boots. We, do, we have problems with those, and those are, those are maintenance items that, that a lot of other four-wheel drives don't have. But with an independent front suspension, you get a much better ride than two straight axles on the front and the back, and you're not likely to find too many of them newer in the last five years where you're going to have a straight axle front end. And so you you, you you probably can look around and drive what you want, but as far as a, trying to trying to pick up a Chevy, a Ford, a Dodge, uh, a Toyota, um, the, all the running gear is good. We don't spend a lot of time fixing the running gear except for stupid people that get stuck and then throw them in to drive at, at 4,000 RPM trying to jump through the canal those are the kinds of things that we usually deal with but that's about it as far as uh, you can talk to Tom Blackwell over at Blackwell Automotive and talk to him about that um he may have some different ideas but Tom typically takes a, an older vehicle and 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 updates it with new air conditioning and fuel injected motor and a 5 6 7 transmission and make and brings it together but it still has the ambiance and the and the and the look of a 1970 chevelle but it's got a powertrain in it from a corvette so that's kind of what he does <laughs> And, and wow. he's going to charge you as much as your first house was. So however much <laughs> okay. you spent on your first house, he's going to charge you that, too. So, all righty, good luck, Terry. Thank you very much. What it comes down to it is um, autodynamics in Sun City. We haven't talked about him, but Chuck's been in business since 1982. He does a good job. Chuck is somebody who really uh, makes sure his technicians understand that they take care of the customer first and then chuck and the and the technician themselves are not even in the food chain so let's just fix their car let's just fix their car and so he's a good guy chuck knows and i've known chuck since 1968 so i know that he knows the difference between right and wrong and i know that he he can he can explain it in not necessarily Christian terms, of how he wants his technicians to fix cars. And, uh, and, 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 and in a good way, um, they accommodate that as well. We talked about Tom Blackwell, and then we got Kurtz Automotive up at I-17 and Bell Road. Kurtz has been my hero many, many times. I've sent customers to him that had a problem, either they, nobody could fix or the estimate was sky high. And Kurt, um, in most cases, came through with a, a suggested plan and a, a path that uh, was quite different than uh, than what uh, the customer had experienced so far. So those are the kinds of shops, and all the shops that we talked about are listed at MarkSalem.com. You can always go there and look. So today we did 12 calls, Gil. We did 12 callers all together. And uh, and that was a good day. We also have all of our shows on the Internet at MarkSalem.com. So if you missed a show, then you can go like last week, the week before, and actually you can go back five years and, uh, and pick up shows, and we talk about cars, and, and we cut all, all the commercials to make the show actually about an hour and a half as opposed to two hours that uh, we would normally go. So thanks for spending your Saturday with me. My email address is mark at marksalem.com mark at marksalem.com if you have any questions. If you'll also give me your phone number um, I like to call you back because I'm going to have lots of questions and I really hate to type. And so it's just much easier and I call from a blocked line as well. So if you send me an email and then you get a blocked number it's probably going to be me but If you don't answer, then I'm going to say to you, this is Mark Salem. I'll call you back in 10 minutes. I call from a blocked line. Um, Would you please answer? And then we'll talk about your car. So it's Mark at MarkSalem.com. Salem is spelled like the cigarette. Anyway, next Saturday, we'll be here from 10 to, to noon, and we'll be talking about cars, and hope you join us. This was a paid program and was provided for informational purposes
10: only. sponsor of passive, affordable, single, and multi-family residential rental investments, which are located in Sunbelt, landlord-friendly states. These investments are the top choices in a rising interest rate and inflationary environment. They represent a store of value, protecting your capital from market volatility. Learn how we at Key City Capital can help you ultimately grow your wealth rapidly. Connect with me at keycitycapital.com or give me a call at 817 912 One five six nine
0: KKNT Phoenix, where intelligent talk lives. Nine sixty the